You are listening to The Scope, Phelps Health Podcast, Episode 12. Today, we're discussing vaccines. Let's get started. Hi, everybody. I'm your host, Paige Heitman. The Scope Podcast is produced on a regular basis and can be found by visiting phelpshealth.org. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your SoundCloud stream or subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can also follow us on Phelps Health Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, or Facebook. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get into the show. Today, our guest is Dr. Corey Alpha, who's been on our show before. He's a family medicine physician with Phelps Health Medical Group. Welcome back to our show, Dr. Offit. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're really excited to have you back here. To learn more about Dr. Offit, check out our episode nine where we discuss primary care, which is really awesome and it's something that you um, provide for Phelps Health, yes. right? Awesome. So we're going to go ahead and just dive right in. So today we're talking about vaccines, which are really important, right? Yes, very. So why are vaccines so important? So vaccines are important for each individual person, but the community as a whole as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they're to protect those that are have weaker immune systems, those that are, may not be old enough to get vaccines from diseases that cause most severely death, but also lifelong abilities like with polio with paralysis and things like that. And so it's extremely important to get those vaccines just to prevent those recurrence of those diseases that we don't really see anymore. Mm-hmm. Now, how are vaccines like kind of studied and approved and what's the history of them? Why do we, why do we even have them? So we have them because of, we see all these different mm-hmm. outbreaks similar to what we're seeing now with the COVID-19. Yeah. And we decided to come up with ways to maybe prevent people from actually getting the illness. And so you have to activate the immune system to be able to do that and create antibodies to be able to fight off a disease if you are exposed to it to prevent the infection from occurring. All the vaccines go through a very, very extensive uh, research study to make sure they're effective, make sure they're safe, make sure there's minimal side effects and things like that. And nothing is approved until it goes through strict clearance. So do you think that we do enough safety testing with vaccines to ensure that they're safe before they go out for the public? Oh, absolutely. And I mean, that doesn't mean necessarily that you won't have a side effect of a vaccine because you Mm -hmm. can't always have an allergic reaction and things like that. But those are very, very rare. So whenever you say side effect, um, you just mentioned allergic reaction. Mm -hmm. And it makes me think about the flu vaccine because a lot of people say, oh, you know, I got the flu vaccine and now I have the flu. Is that true? So generally, the flu vaccine will not cause the flu. And uh, because the flu vaccine is not a live virus vaccine, Mm -hmm. there have been forms of the vaccine in the past where it is a live virus vaccine, but generally the symptoms that people are having whenever they get the flu shot are at an actual immune response that's triggering your body to create those antibodies to be able to fight off the influenza influenza virus if you get exposed to it. Whenever you get the flu shot and everything, it takes several weeks to develop those antibodies to Mm -hmm. be able to fight it off. So if you get the flu, like legitimate flu with Mm -hmm. high fevers, body aches, cough, shortness of breath, then you likely got the flu before you developed the sufficient antibodies to be able to fight it off. So what are those feelings whenever we get the flu shot and we just feel like achy and gross and kind of icky? That's your body's natural inflammatory response to being exposed to something new. And so that's an appropriate response. Usually those mild symptoms only last a couple of days after a vaccine. And then you're fine. Yep. Which is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know for me the biggest thing is that my shoulder always gets really sore, but maybe I just have weak shoulders. <laughs> and that's actually fairly common too mm-hmm. because of a couple of the different additives, preservatives in it. Um, the main two that people are worried about with mercury and aluminum, um, if it's a multi-dose vaccine, they actually have a form of mercury in it, which is a preservative. 
helps kill bacteria, things like that, that actually is very, very safe, but it can cause a local inflammatory response, which is why you get the tenderness in your arm. Okay. Um, and then the aluminum aspect of it is actually an additive that boosts your immune system to allow you to respond better to the virus itself or to the vaccine itself to make sure you develop more of a response. And in doing so, you actually can give a lesser dose of the vaccine with that aluminum included in it. Wow. Now, I know you probably just talked about this a little bit and you've talked about this before in one of our flu episodes of Ask a Professional. There are two different types of mercury, right? And one yes. is good and one is bad. So there's ethyl mercury and there's methyl mercury. Mm -hmm. Methyl mercury is the bad type of mercury. Ethyl mercury is what is in the vaccines. And it is actually very, very safe. We actually get a lot of ethyl mercury in our daily diet. We actually get methyl mercury in our daily diet as well. And that's what's mm -hmm. found in seafood. Mm -hmm. um, and there's actually more mercury included in breast milk than there is even in vaccines. Wow. So vaccines are totally safe, and at, at least for mercury. <laughs> exactly. Well, vaccines are totally safe across uh -huh. the board. It's just there's a lot of myths and things that mm -hmm. have been debunked over and over and over again. And there's just a lot of information out there that people are trying to get out there that mm -hmm. isn't necessarily well, factual right. or studied. People hear mercury and they're very scared. And then if they hear mm -hmm. that mercury is in a vaccine, they don't want anything to do with it because mm -hmm. vaccines are already so taboo. And... American Academy of Pediatrics and CDC and everything came out several um, years ago that they actually reduced the amount of mercury that was included in vaccines so that just to pacify people. And a lot of vaccines now have gone to single dose, and so they don't contain a lot of those additives that are only usually required for the multi-dose vials. So we know now that vaccines are very effective, but why aren't they always 100% effective? So... It also depends on how somebody responds to it. Is their immune system as active as another person's mm -hmm. immune system? They may not develop a sufficient number of antibodies, and that's why we get booster shots. And so that's why we recommend getting the tetanus boosters and things like mm -hmm. that every so many years. Um, as far as like the flu vaccine, the reason we had to get it yearly is because the flu virus is changing all the time. There's so many different strains of influenza. And so they look back historically to see which are the most likely strains to be occurring in the next couple of years. And that's what they go with as far as the vaccine is for the following year. And usually the vaccines cover three or four different strains per year. So you talked about a, an immune response to the vaccines. Is there anything that we can do as individuals or patients to help strengthen our, our immune systems before we even get these vaccines to maybe make them more effective? Or do we just kind of get what we get? Just staying healthy in general, eating healthy, exercising, things like that will all make sure that your immune system is up to par and has all the nutrients and vitamins that it needs to be able to mount a, a proper immune response. Okay. So the next question that I have, and I think a lot of people ask this as well, especially people who maybe um, are considering not doing vaccines, is that is natural immunity better than vaccine-acquired immunity? Natural immunity, in some cases, you can develop a stronger immunity, mm -hmm. but it it's a risk versus benefit mm -hmm. kind of aspect of it. And so the risks of acquiring a disease versus just being able to fight off a disease if you're exposed to it aren't worth it. So example would be like measles. You have, if you get measles, you have a one in 500 chance of dying from measles. Whereas if you get the MMR vaccine, you have a one in 1 million chance of actually having a, an allergic reaction to it. And so it's much a risk versus benefit. And mm -hmm. 
majority of the large, large majority of the time, the risks aren't worth it. You know, that also makes me wonder, too, with some of these, like, diseases that we have vaccines for, why can't we just eradicate some of them like we did with, like, smallpox? So there are still parts of the world that still have smallpox. Okay. And so we hear mm-hmm. about it all the time, like, just with, like, Ebola recently popped up and we thought it was gone and we've got had various things just we thought were gone, that thing come back up. Back when we were kids, like we saw yeah. chickenpox all the time. We don't see it hardly at all. I've maybe seen three cases of it since I've been a doctor. Wow. And whenever I see them now, they're very severe. And chickenpox, everybody just thinks, oh, it's just a rash. It's just a rash. No, it can cause severe issues in your brain. It can cause encephalitis, seizures, permanent brain damage, permanent nerve damage, and yeah. permanent scarring that can be pretty severe. Wow. You know, that also makes me think, whenever I was little, I'm pretty sure my parents had, like, a chicken pox party. Mm-hmm. Should they have done that? <laughs> Not ideally. <laughs> so, and we know more now than what we did uh-huh. back then about different viruses and vaccines and things like that. And so... Not the best approach, mm-hmm. and I wasn't. I mean, I had chicken box whenever I was a child as well. And yeah. I mean, I remember people purposely exposing their kids. Yeah, to one it. kid had it, and then you know, all the other kids came because around because we wanted to get it as young yes. as possible. Yep. So yeah. Wow, that's really interesting. So why do some vac- vaccines you talked about this earlier also require boosters, and when should we make sure to get those boosters? Will our provider let us know? Your provider should be letting you know okay. if um, if you have any questions, you can always ask as well. And then mm-hmm. CDC has it on their website when you should be getting what vaccines. A large majority of vaccines are whenever you're a child. Um, babies get a hepatitis B vaccine at birth usually. Mm-hmm. And then you get additional vaccines at two months, four months, six months, and 12 months in the first year of life. And then again, at um, 15 and 18 months are some other boosters as well. Mm-hmm. Um the two, four, and six months are actually all the same vaccines. Oh, okay. um, and so those are all just boosters for each other. Mm-hmm. And then <clears throat> at 12 months, those are that's whenever you get your MMR and your varicella and your hepatitis A vaccines. Um, and then the 15 and 18, they're also boosters for previous ones. And then you don't get any until you're four, and those are boosters mm-hmm. as well. And then kids don't actually get any until they're around 10 or 11, um, except for your yearly flu vaccine. Mm-hmm. And so based on also chronic medical conditions as an adult would depend on when you get what vaccines. So diabetics, people with chronic lung issues like asthma and COPD actually get more frequent pneumonia vaccines and things like that. So with babies, why do they have to get so many shots at once whenever they go to the provider? Is that just because it's easy because they're babies and if we're going to poke them, let's just poke them all at once or? So it's been, again, very, very well studied. Um, That is the they recommend doing it so many months apart per vaccine mm-hmm. to amount the optimum immune response okay. and antibody production. Mm-hmm. Um, it gets immune system, people are scared by getting so many things mm-hmm. at once. Your immune system actually has so many antibodies, you could probably, it has enough antibodies to respond to over 10,000 different things at one time. Wow. And so having a few vaccines at once isn't going to overwhelm their immune system. Mm-hmm. Your immune system is fighting stuff off on a constant basis. That's incredible. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's amazing. So that's kind of why it's okay for babies to to get like four or five shots whenever they go in at a time. Absolutely. And it's totally okay and it's totally safe for yeah. babies. Absolutely. Could somebody come in though and just say, hey, I only want my baby to get one shot or is it like recommended that they come in and they get their four or five shots? They can request that they do that. I mean, we can't force parents mm-hmm. to do anything for their kids. Yeah. Um, 
what I ask my patients of is that we have a conversation about mm-hmm. why they're wanting to do it and why I would yeah. recommend otherwise. And it's just one of those things where I'm happy to give information. I'm happy to explain mm-hmm. why I'm doing. I never do anything without people knowing why I'm doing what I'm doing. And there's some providers, myself included, mm-hmm. um, and I can't speak for the other fellows. Uh, pediatric providers that in my clinic, I mean, I don't generally see unimmunized kids. And that's just because of my own personal issues with my kids at home. Like I've got preemie twins that have weakened immune systems. And so I can't risk exposing myself more than I already do and bringing something home to them. So with preemies, do they have to get additional um, vaccines because they're preemies? So there's no additional vaccines. There's Mm -hmm. some additional prophylactic or preventative things that you can do for RSV um, is the main one, um, Mm -hmm. which our boys did get. And so you have to do a shot a month in the first two months during RSV season uh, for five months straight. Wow. Oh, what a bummer for them. Yeah. But it's good for them. It was. They just don't know that. And they help significantly. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So if you if you have a baby or a small child and they're getting these vaccines, what happens if they get like a cold? Can they take antibiotics at the same time? So it depends on, so antibiotics aren't going to affect the vaccine because most of mm-hmm. the vaccines are viral. Okay. Um, and so antibiotics and vaccines mm-hmm. don't really affect one another. Um, as far as um, taking other medications, things like that, that mm-hmm. is provider preference. And so you talk to your, your provider, and see what's going on with your kiddo. If and they'll determine, oh, it could be allergies, could be another viral syndrome. Let's hold off, and they'll make that decision based on what's going on with the kiddo at the time. Now, what happens if somebody like misses their appointment for their baby or their child mm-hmm. for their shots? Because you get those at certain times, like Absolutely. in between certain months. Mm-hmm. Do they have to start over with those set of shots, or do they just pick up right where they left off? So generally, they'll pick up where they left off, depending mm-hmm. on vaccine. Um, mm-hmm. There is a catch-up schedule to where we can adjust the timing and things mm-hmm. like that to where we get, again, optimal dosing of the vaccine to where we get the um, best antibody response possible as well. And how can the parents help the provider keep track of their baby's vaccinations? So. They should be provided a shot record the first mm-hmm. time that they get their first vaccine, which is usually at birth. Um, we also have state logs called Show Me Vacs, where um, providers should be logging those in the state system to where we can actually access them from anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, that includes, so if you go, jump from one city to another, if they're in the same state, we should be able to see what vaccines you've already been given. Um, you can actually pull them up as an adult as well. And so if you were ever given vaccines as a kid, they should be in there. as Yeah, I had to have it for college. I did too. Uh-huh. And so um, I had somebody pull up my show me vaccine and I was able to say, hey, I need this and I need this. And mm-hmm. turns out I didn't get all my shots whenever I was a kid. So I had to get one recently. Wow. So, Who would have thought, I right? <laughs> I, I, I talked to my mother. <laughs> you had you had a, a come to Jesus moment. <laughs> I did. It was just it was one of the boosters. Is all oh, was, so. okay. You're like, mom, how could you forget my? And it booster? was actually probably because they didn't have it whenever I was a child. Oh, okay. So. Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah. So things if they didn't have things whenever you were a child and now we're adults, do you have to go back and get those? You don't have to, but you can. But you can elect in, to. In my line of work, if mm-hmm. I've got more risk of exposures, and yeah. so I went ahead and got any vaccines I could. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. Super cool. Um, So why, again, is it really important that all children get vaccinated? So just to help prevent one spreading of the infection, because we've all heard of herd immunity, especially here Mm -hmm. lately. Um, 
the more people we have in the population, it doesn't even have to be 100% because we can't have 100% of the population vaccinated because you have those cancer patients. You have people that vaccines can't be given to because they're allergic to something in the vaccine. Mm -hmm. And so if you protect a certain percentage of the population, in theory, the vaccine should not be able to spread between the people that are unvaccinated because of distance alone mm -hmm. and because of potential contact alone of unvaccinated people. If you have a certain percentage of the population vaccinated against the disease, then it should prevent any spread of the disease. I think there have been outbreaks in California because a lot of people haven't been getting vaccinated. Mm -hmm. So you have outbreaks of like measles and stuff now Yes. because of this herd immunity because yep. people haven't been getting vaccinated. So a lot of things that we thought were like eradicated are starting to pop back up. And there is also something recently that, and that's still being studied, is that the MMR <clears throat> vaccine might have some cross coverage for COVID. Okay. And now, what so, is the MMR vaccine? So measles, mumps, and rubella. Okay. And because there's a similar appearance of the, like, similar structure to one of the components of the vaccine, similar to COVID, it's actually being studied that it might actually help prevent you from being infected with COVID with the MMR vaccine. Wow. Okay. So I'm going to ask you this and you may or may not have an answer. Do you foresee us before the year ends having a potential vaccine for COVID-19? Before the year or ends? Or options? Not likely. Not likely? Because of the strenuous process it has to go through mm -hmm. to be able to show that it's effective, mm -hmm. it's safe, and things like that. Yes, the FDA and CDC have put a rush on it. They've mm -hmm gotten rid of some of the um, exemptions and stuff like that that people have to go through to be able to get approved to study it but I don't foresee it being by the end of the year. So do you think because they've like loosened those exemptions and some of those regulations it's still going to be very safe though right? It should be yes and it'll continue to be studied and altered mm -hmm. if needed as well similar to medications we have now I mean we've seen so many recalls and things like that recently in medications mm -hmm. Things are constantly being monitored for potential side effects, potential issues that it'll continue. And it's similar to like the HPV vaccine for human papillomavirus. Um, back in the early 2000s, there were a lot of side effects from it. And they have since altered a couple of things. And so we are not, we're not seeing those side effects anymore. Well, we still have human error too. So a lot and of the do. people who are working on this, they're all humans. Exactly. So, so and things change. Like everybody, like people's immune systems change. Like what diseases are prevalent, change mm -hmm. in the community, like it just varies on so many different levels. So going back to children, um, what about whenever children are in school, should they have their child immunized if all of the other kids in school are immunized? And this goes back to herd mentality. Mm -hmm. If nine out of 10 kids have immunizations or vaccinations, does that 10th kid really need it? Yes. Okay, Abs why? In my personal opinion, uh -huh. absolutely 100% yes, because you can't count on everybody else to be immunized. Mm -hmm. And if you want the best protection possible for your child, immunizations would be the way to go. That's good to know. That's really good advice. So a lot of people think that vaccines are just for babies or just for children, but they're also for adults too. And Absolutely. you already said that. You, you recently just got a booster, right? Yep. Absolutely. So why do we get them as adults and what kind do we get as adults? And it varies again. Mm -hmm. And so after a certain age, the shingles vaccine um, is very much recommended for adults. And I believe it's age 60. Is shingles from smallpox? So shingles is a, a reactivation of the varicella 
virus. So okay. the one that causes chickenpox. Okay. And so the, if you've been infected with chickenpox, mm-hmm. you likely have the virus housing out in the nerve roots mm-hmm. um, in your body, and it can be reactivated at any particular time, and then actually shows up in one nerve distribution on your body, usually on one side, and it is extremely painful. Um, if you get into one particular nerve distribution around your eye, you can actually end up with blindness. Um, and so, and then permanent nerve damage and permanent pain in that same distribution, wherever it's at. And it's extremely contagious as well. Whenever you have the rash. Is it more contagious than chickenpox? Would you say? It's a different kind of mm -hmm. contagious because you have to come in direct contact with it. Oh, like touch somebody or like actually touch touch, it? Yes. But if that person touches their rash and then touches something else, Mm -hmm. then you, that's still direct contact. Wow. And so it's a little bit different distribution. Where can adults go to get vaccinated? Do they just go to their primary care provider or where do they go? So they can talk to the health department. Mm -hmm. They can talk to their primary care provider. Um, And again, it depends on what vaccines you're needing. Definitely recommend yearly flu vaccine, Mm -hmm. um, shingles vaccine at the the proper age, um, pneumonia vaccines after a certain age and certain health conditions. Um, But healthcare providers have access to all the recommendations they can look at the CDC's website as well. It has recommendations based on age as well for adults and kids. So we have lots of resources. Oh, absolutely. So there's kind of no reason that people, if they want to get vaccinated, there's no reason that they shouldn't be able to. Absolutely. So how long does immunity last after somebody gets a vaccine? Depends on the vaccine. Mm-hmm. And that's, so like why, the flu. that's again why we recommend boosters and things mm-hmm. like that. So tetanus shots, pertussis vaccines, mm-hmm. things like that. Pregnant women, we recommend getting the pertussis vaccine every single pregnancy if they got pregnant within a year they still get it the next pregnancy um but in general population most of your childhood vaccines you don't get boosters as an adult because your immunity is developed enough and you can always test to see if you're still immune to things and so really? healthcare professionals um whenever we get hired on hospital we make sure we're they do testing and make sure we're immune to varicella we're immune to hepatitis b and things like that What does that testing look like? So it's just a blood test and they check to see if your antibody levels are elevated enough. Okay. So can somebody else just come in and request that like a patient? Absolutely. That's awesome. That's really good to know. So what happens if I like step on a nail outside and it's like a really rusty nail? Would Mm -hmm. I need like a booster or some type of vaccine for that? So your tetanus booster, if you've not had one in the last five to 10 years. Then you would need one? Generally, I tell patients five years if they've not had one, I I have them update their tetanus Mm -hmm. booster. So for everybody who's listening or watching, if you haven't had a tetanus booster and you've stepped on anything rusty. (laughs) I've actually seen tetanus once in residency, and it's not something I would ever want to experience myself. Your muscles spasm so hard, it can actually cause your bones to fracture. Wow. Like it breaks your bones? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that doesn't sound fun. So what about for like rabies or uh, like other animals? Can you get vaccines for that ahead of time or is it? So generally, no, not for like the rabies vaccines Mm -hmm. and things like that. Usually if you get a potential exposure, they'll Mm -hmm. go ahead and start the rabies series. Um, One, because it's a very, very expensive. And it's very painful, right? And it can be very painful. Um, Generally, it's the inflammatory response. It depends on the person. Like Mm -hmm. some people have an impressive inflammatory response and get more sore than others. So... But that's something that it's more of you get it whenever because rabies is such a slowly activating uh, infection that you can actually start the vaccine series whenever you get the exposure. Why is there a vaccine series with rabies? Again, to amount the immune response. Oh, okay. Makes sense. 
So if somebody's traveling abroad or traveling um, throughout the United States, mm -hmm. which you've recently done, yes. that's why you're wearing masks, do you need to get extra vaccinations? So it depends on where you're going. Um, there's different diseases um, in certain areas of the world. Um, whenever my wife went, and I went on our honeymoon to Fiji, we actually had to get typhoid vaccines. And so it's just, it depends on where you're going and you can talk to your healthcare provider and see what vaccines would be required. And CDC also has that recommendation. Mm -hmm. Which, again, I'm going back to our episode nine. It's so important to have a relationship with a primary care Absolutely. provider so that they can help you make those decisions whenever you're traveling. And a lot of insurances, actually all insurances, will cover those vaccines. Wow. Um, vaccines are generally 100% covered by your insurance. Um, and then for kids, Medicaid covers 100% of vaccines, even travel vaccines. Like if, they're, if you're traveling, they will, they generally will cover them. That's fantastic. So everybody go back, watch episode nine, get in touch with the primary care provider if Absolutely. you don't have one. <laughs> so we're kind of nearing the end of the show, but I want to give you an opportunity, Dr. Offit, to talk about um, anything that maybe you want to speak to, to our listeners or anybody watching our show regarding vaccines. Do your research. Don't depend on social media. Um, social media is by far filled with more negative, more falsified information than there is positive. You do use reliable sources, Centers for Disease Control with the CDC's website. Um, if you're concerned about pediatric vaccines, many of the pediatric hospitals have the vaccine information on the website. Mm -hmm. um, Mayo Clinic has a lot of good information on their website. Children's Hospital of Philadelphia has um, a lot of information on their website. Um, Cincinnati Children's Hospital, all these big reputable children's hospitals are very good resources for looking up information on vaccines. Um, and you can actually pull up vaccine um, additive information on those websites too. I know children, or Children's Hospital of Philadelphia has a lot of information. It's like a that. nutrition facts label. It is. <laughs> it, 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 and they will literally go through every single um, ingredient in that mm -hmm. vaccine and tell you what it is, what it's for, and why we use it, and how safe it is, and what, like the mm -hmm. studies that have done. And they'll quote studies. If something cannot give you the information from a reliable, peer-reviewed, accredited study, then it is likely not factual. That's great advice. So on that note, uh, thank you so much for tuning into The Scope. If you liked our show and want to know more, check out PubSolve.org. Thanks so much. Thank you.